Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In today's episode, we covered the topic of pancreatic pseudocysts found under the gastrointestinal section at MedBullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 42-year-old man with a history of alcohol abuse presents to the clinic with complaints of constant pain at the abdominal region. A physical exam demonstrates a 3-centimeter mass at the epigastric region. Further laboratory testing demonstrates a persistently elevated serum and urine amylase. Let's continue with an introduction to pancreatic pseudocysts. This describes a circumscribed collection of fluid-containing pancreatic enzymes, blood, and necrotic tissue occurring outside of the pancreas. Remember that the capsule is a non-epithelialized wall consisting of fibrous granulation tissue and it usually develops within several weeks after the onset of pancreatitis. Demographically, this accounts for approximately 75% of all pancreatic masses. There is a male predominance, which mirrors the demographic distribution seen in pancreatitis. In terms of the pathogenesis, it most commonly occurs following acute pancreatitis and abdominal trauma, but it can also occur due to chronic pancreatitis. Remember that abdominal trauma is the more common cause in children. It can also be single or multiple, though multiple cysts are more frequently seen in patients with alcoholism, and the condition seems to stem from disruptions of the pancreatic duct. This occurs due to pancreatitis and or extravasation of enzymatic material. Conditions that are associated include acute pancreatitis, which is seen with alcoholism and gallstones, as well as chronic pancreatitis and abdominal trauma. Moving on to the presentation, symptoms will include abdominal pain, which usually has a history of pancreatitis, as well as anorexia, indigestion, and nausea. On exam, one may note an abdominal mass, a tender abdomen, fever, scleroicterus, a pleural effusion, and peritoneal signs if there is cyst rupture or infection. In terms of further imaging, Abdominal CT with contrast is the preferred diagnostic test. Positive findings include a well-circumscribed fluid collection that is typically extrapancreatic with homogeneous fluid density with no internal septae. Magnetic resonance imaging is a more sensitive test compared to CT. It allows for better differentiation between pancreatic pseudocyst and other diagnoses such as pseudoaneurysm. Endoscopic ultrasound is indicated in patients where the imaging findings or clinical setting is unclear or atypical. It can assess for features suggestive of a cystic neoplasm, such as internal septations, and it allows for treatment planning. In terms of further studies, serum amylase and lipase may be normal or elevated. Serum bilirubin and liver function tests may be elevated if there is involvement of the biliary tree. And cystic fluid analysis will typically demonstrate low levels of carcinoembryonic antigen-125 and low fluid viscosity and high amylase. In terms of the differential, make sure to think about a cystic neoplasm, with differentiating factors being that MRI can often differentiate between pseudocyst and cystic neoplasm. Remember that if the diagnosis is still uncertain, endoscopic ultrasound and fine needle aspiration of the fluid can be performed. Cystic fluid analysis will demonstrate high CEA-125, high fluid viscosity, and low amylase in the setting of cystic neoplasm. In terms of treatment, remember that most pseudocysts resolve without interference and require only supportive care. 
First-line options include observation with follow-up imaging every three to six weeks. Supportive care may include nasogastric feeding if needed for pain relief, proton pump inhibitors, and octreotide to reduce pancreatic secretions. Second-line options include drainage of the pseudocyst, which is indicated in patients who are symptomatic, have rapidly enlarging pseudocysts, or have complications, such as an infection of the cyst. Endoscopic drainage is the preferred method of drainage. Remember that complications include bleeding, perforation, and secondary infection. Percutaneous catheter drainage has a higher morbidity, longer hospital stay, and longer duration of the indwelling drains compared to endoscopic drainage. Third-line options include surgery. This is indicated in patients with infected pancreatic necrosis and symptomatic sterile necrosis. And finally, complications relating to pancreatic pseudocyst include bleeding and hemorrhage due to erosion of the pseudocyst into a vessel, as well as GI obstruction, pseudocyst rupture, and peritonitis. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to pancreatic pseudocysts, let's walk through a question to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For this question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 53-year-old male presents to the hospital with indigestion, steatorrhea, and worsening abdominal pain over several months. A CT of the abdomen is obtained, which demonstrates a large cystic appearance at the pancreatic head. Which of the following physical findings would you most likely expect to be present in this patient? And the answer choices are, choice 1, palpable upper abdominal mass. Choice 2, dermatitis or pediformis. Choice 3, acanthosis nigricans. Choice 4, splenomegaly. Or choice 5, asterixis. The best answer to this question is, choice 1, palpable upper abdominal mass. The patient's symptoms are consistent with chronic pancreatitis and imaging suggests a pancreatic pseudocyst. Pancreatic pseudocysts can present as palpable upper abdominal masses upon physical exam. Pancreatic pseudocysts are associated with chronic pancreatitis, acute pancreatitis, and severe chest trauma. Afflicted patients may present with abdominal pain and a palpable abdominal mass. Unlike true cysts, pancreatic pseudocysts lack epithelium and are lined with granulation tissue and fibrosis. Most pseudocysts resolve spontaneously. Treatment, when necessary, is with surgery or IR-guided drainage. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 2. Dermatitis herpetiformis is a skin rash characterized by purulent, chronic papulovesicular eruptions. It is associated with celiac sprue. Choice 3. Acanthosis nigricans is a velvety hyperpigmentation of the skin, usually found in body folds. It is associated with several endocrinopathies, but not pancreatic pseudocyst. Choice 4. Splenomegaly is enlargement of the spleen. It is associated with several disorders including infections, portal hypertension, malignancies, and others. Choice 5. Asterix is flapping of the wrist during dorsiflexion. It is associated with hepatic encephalopathy. That's all for this review about pancreatic pseudocysts. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullet Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. 
you can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.